up you guys and welcome back to another episode of sad girl hours today we are actually going to be covering our very first true crime episode um with that being said disclaimer this case does involve uh sexual assaults racial discrimination um things like that so Trigger warning, don't listen to this one around kiddos. You guys technically shouldn't listen to any of my episodes around kiddos because I do swear like a sailor, Um, but definitely this one, um, pop in some headphones or wait until kiddos aren't around. Um, And I also do want to mention, um, this is my first time really, like I've always very much been into true crime and just learning about different types of cases. I don't really know why I'm that way. I kind of blame it on what's gone on with the history with my dad and things like that, unfortunately. But also, I just think that certain cases really highlight some very serious issues that need to be talked about. Um, And so this is going to be the first of a few that we'll do. This isn't going to be something that I do every single episode by any means. It does take a lot of time to do the research and kind of make sure I've got my facts straight, especially the next true crime episode that we'll be doing that I'm still doing research for. It's taken me down a rabbit hole. Um if anybody is familiar with the Johnny Gosh case, because it is connected to so many different things, so many different things, and you guys are going to lose your minds. Um, So I want to make sure that I'm covering all my bases with that one. So that's why we are going to be talking today about a different case. And today we are going to be talking about Stacey Stites and... If you guys have not heard of this case, uh, buckle in. This is a story with many twists and turns. As I mentioned, the overall topics include sexual assault, racial discrimination, and how the power of being a police officer can help you get away with murder. This is a case that everyone should know about because there is a man that is still sitting on death row for a murder that he did not commit. Now, again, this is going to be a long one, so get comfy and settle in with me. This is the story of Stacey Stites, Rodney Reed, and the disgusting Jimmy Finnell. Stacey Stites was a bubbly and ambitious girl who lived in Giddings, Texas. She was loved by everyone around her. She was described as a sunflower or sunshine, and in all of the pictures and videos that I've seen of her, she was always laughing and smiling. And if you watch the documentary on ABC 2020, you can really see how much light that she had in her, which I find extremely impressive because Stacey really went through a lot at a very young age. Her dad actually died when she was a teenager. And obviously I can relate to this and it really, really affected her. And she also ended up 
getting pregnant at the age of 15 and decided to give that baby up for adoption, which I couldn't imagine how hard that would be. So a lot of strength for a 15 year old. Fast forward to when Stacy is 19, she met a man named Jimmy Fennell at a local event called Jamboree. They started dating and eventually they moved in together. However, <laughs> both of them were raised as quote unquote good Christians. So since they were living together, there was kind of that pressure to get married so they were not sinning and so they decided to get married and got engaged now stacy at first was really excited about the wedding um but multiple people in her life did say it kind of seemed like she was more excited for the wedding itself and the planning and the dress and like all of those kinds of things than she was like to actually be getting married um, however, that excitement at first, she decided to get a part-time job at the local grocery store. And according to her family, every two weeks when she got paid, she was making payments towards her wedding. As the days went by and time went on, Stacy's sister said that her excitement started to dwindle. Her best friend said that she seemed more excited for the wedding itself than marrying Jimmy. She'd started seeing changes in him and signs of him being controlling, which was causing friction in their relationship because Stacy was very much not the kind of woman to be controlled. And I'm not saying any woman is, but she was very much one to speak her mind and stick up for herself. Um, whereas, you know, I've been the kind of girl where I just took it, even though I used to be the person that would not. It just kind of depends on the person. And was Stacy she was was not about it and that was causing issues now on the morning of April 23rd at 1996 at three in the morning Stacy is on her way to work in her fiance's truck as she does every morning except this time she doesn't make it around 3 30 a.m Stacy's mom is woken up by a call from Stacy's boss and they're both immediately worried because she did not show up to work Stacy was known to be reliable, and it was completely unlike her to miss work, especially without calling. So she's almost immediately reported missing, but unfortunately, she is later found dead on a dirt road behind Bastrop High School in Bastrop, Texas, at the young age of 19. There were ligature marks around her neck, only partially wearing her jeans and only one shoe on. Her belt was found nearby and was broken, along with a few beer cans. There was semen found, but there was no damage to her vaginal area, according to the initial reports, which normally would indicate that she had had consensual, consensual sex sometime before she was murdered. Everyone in Stacy's life was completely shocked by this news. Like I mentioned, she was this bubbly, bright young woman with this infectious energy, and nobody could think of any reason anyone would want to hurt her, let alone kill her. So as police usually do, they start looking at her fiancé, Jimmy Fennell, who, a little detail I left out until this moment, he was also a police officer. Or the local department. Nobody in Stacy's family suspected Jimmy of anything except for one of her sisters who went so far as to hire a private investigator 
and kept documentation of the questionable things Jimmy had said since her death. But aside from that, as much as the police were looking at him, nobody really believed that he was involved. A witness actually came out who happened to live on the street that Stacy's fiance's truck was discovered at. She actually saw multiple police officers, including Jimmy Fennell and other officers that this woman actually knew personally in the same location that the truck was dumped earlier that morning, hours before Stacy was even reported missing. Now, keep in mind, this is a small Texas southern town. It very much, to understand the culture of where this all takes place, is very much an everybody-knows-everybody kind of deal. And one of the men that the woman saw was a ranger by the name of Rocky Wardlow. And under his direction, police were actually told not to search the couple's apartment because there was not enough probable cause to do that, which I find absolutely absurd considering you have a dead woman. You're saying that her fiancé, Jimmy Fennell, is the prime suspect, but you are not going to allow their apartment to be searched. Okay, so as far as this truck goes, less than a week after Stacy's body was found, they give the truck back to Jimmy and he sells it almost immediately, making it unavailable for police to search for any additional type of evidence. There was not even a statement that it had been turned over to DPS. Strike two for this police department. Are you guys seeing a pattern yet? (sighs) Now, I don't want to dive too far into this part of things, but it is worth mentioning that the lead detective that was initially assigned to Stacy's case, Ed Samella, was fired from the police department four months after he took on her case after 12 years of service. And two days later, he is found dead by gunshot wound. Now, his brother actually has gone public with saying that he firmly believes that Ed stumbled onto something that he was not supposed to and was murdered. Although Ed's death was ruled a suicide by firearm, there was no gunpowder residue found on either of his hands. So, do with that bit of information what you will. In March of 1997, almost a year after Stacy was murdered, the investigation takes a huge shift in direction because DNA evidence found from the semen on her body was linked directly to a man by the name of Rodney Reed. Now, some backstory. Although Stacy and Jimmy Fennell were engaged and planning to get married not too long before her death, there was a lot of talk around town that she had been having an affair with a black man, a.k.a. Rodney Reed. Not only is there evidence that people in town knew about the affair, there are accounts that support that Jimmy also knew about the affair. And this, during this time, keep in mind, um, even though we're talking 1996, 1997, and everybody wants to make it sound like we are so progressive now and we were progressive back then, 
it was absolutely looked down upon to be in an interracial relationship during this time, especially in Texas. And I would go so far as to say that that's putting it very lightly. Um, recent interviews that have come out with Stacy's family show that they fully believe that Jimmy had nothing to do with her death. And they even kind of acted like there was absolutely no way that Stacy would be sleeping with Rodney. Um, however, her friends and some coworkers tell a different story. They say that although she was excited to have a wedding, she was not excited to be married with Jimmy. And she rarely talked about Jimmy at all um, and was very much more interested in this affair she was having with Rodney. So let's shift back to Fennell for a second. He was said to be extremely controlling of Stacy. She wasn't allowed to talk to her friends, wasn't allowed to go out. Um, there was even an account when she wanted to go to a local concert with one of her friends And he was so hell-bent on her not going that he slashed her tires. He slashed her tires to keep her from going. And even during this time, he was known around town to be extremely violent, especially towards women. And Stacy had even confided in one of her best friends that Jimmy had told her that he would, and I quote, kill her if she didn't end things with Rodney. When police pull Rodney in for questioning, he immediately denies knowing Stacy. And a lot of this uh, comes from one of Rodney's cousins because she actually said in an interview that she takes full blame for that and feels guilty to this very day because she told him to deny it. After Stacy's death was on the news, Rodney was shocked and you know, was just like, I, I know that girl, like I knew her. And he was so shocked and didn't understand what happened to her. And because he was a black man living in Texas who was known to be having an affair with this girl, she told him, you better stop saying, you know, that girl, but it didn't matter why he said what he said. He was caught in a lie. And this was the very beginning of a very long battle for him. At this point, he was now the prime suspect in Stacy's murder, and they believed that he raped her. Keep in mind, there were plenty of witnesses that could have testified that Stacy and Rodney's relationship was a consensual one. They could have helped show that there was an actual relationship and not just some random black man that decided to rape and murder a young white woman like the police were trying to paint it out to be. However, during the trial, Rodney's defense attorney, if you could even call him that, never laid out any foundation to show that this relationship even existed. On top of that, witness intimidation occurred when a woman was threatened with legal reprisal after she had been subpoenaed to testify in court. And she was one of many people that were threatened. There was a lot of people that wanted to come forward and testify um, as a witness as to Stacy and Rodney's relationship, and they were either threatened or never contacted. So this was really a big hit to the trial. 
Now, obviously, a driving force of this case was proving time of death using the semen found in her vaginal cavity. So let's kind of take a pause and go over Jimmy's timelines of events because the police are basing their entire investigation and everything strictly on his words and his account of what happened. So in his words, the night before Stacy was murdered, they took a shower together and after they laid in bed talking about the wedding for a while, Stacy eventually falls asleep around 9 p.m. Then Jimmy goes out to the living room to watch TV, falls asleep out there, and eventually wakes up and gets back in bed with Stacy. He said that she left at 3 a.m. to go to work, even though he was sleeping during this time and wouldn't even be able to actually confirm if she had left or not. Um, and according to Jimmy, he was home all night. And if you remember the witness we talked about earlier, that is already directly contradicted. Now, let's talk about the last time that Rodney saw Stacy. It was late night, early morning of the 21st or 22nd of April. She went and picked him up. They went to the park to have sex, and later she dropped him off back at home. This is very important in the investigation, so keep these two timelines in mind going forward. And remember that Stacy was found on April 23rd. Now, during the trial, medical examiner Dr. Robert Bayardo testified that Stites had been raped vaginally and anally and that the sperm had showed that the assault happened not long before the murder, which, according to him, would put the time of death at 3 a.m., The defense did not question this, nor did they bring in their own medical examiner to prove whether this was true or not. If you know anything about true crime, you know that prosecutors like to use shocked factor with juries, and this case is really no different because during the trial, and this makes me sick, they actually presented an 18 by 20 photo of Stacy's anus that was taken during the autopsy, and unfortunately, This played a huge role for this all-white jury. It took them less than four hours to sentence Rodney to death row. Years later, Dr. Bayardo changed his account. He said, quote, If the prosecuting attorneys had advised me that they intended to use my time of death estimate as a scientifically reliable opinion of when Stites died, I would have advised them not to do so. He stated that he did not find evidence that Stacy had been vaginally or anally raped, and he had actually found very few sperm, which indicated it could have been left over from days prior. In simple terms, this was old DNA sperm, and that was the only physical evidence that they had. He even said that the damage to Stacy's anus seemed more consistent with a rod or something similar to a police baton. I know, I know. All of my crime junkies out there are like, well, Serena, if that's the case, then what about the semen found in her anus? Well, it comes out later that during the autopsy, the medical examiner did not change his gloves a single time, making it extremely easy to contaminate other areas of the body with said DNA. 
And on top of the fact, when semen is present in the body, in the vagina, it can drain into the anus, especially after death, as the anus starts to dilate the longer that time goes on. Based on the new evidence, as far as body decomposition and the sperm evidence goes, and additional medical examiners that have come in to review the case, it is impossible for Stacy to have been raped and murdered during the time the state originally stated, and it actually showed that she had been murdered first and then moved to the location that her body was found. And based on these new findings, Stacy would have been killed before midnight when she was alone at home with Jimmy Fennell. So you guys remember those timelines we talked about, right? It sounds to me like Fennell is lying, and the sperm that was found on Stacy comes directly from the last time she saw Rodney, which he was completely open and forthcoming about, but was not talked about during his trial. On top of the fact, do you guys remember how I said that there were beer cans that were found near Stacy's body? It turns out that on May 13th of 1996, those exact beer cans had been tested for DNA. And guess what they found? They found a mixture of DNA from Stacy Stites and two other police officers. One officer was Jimmy Fennell's partner, Mr. Hall, who lived next door to the couple. And the second officer was Ed Samella, the same one that died months after taking on Stacy's case. And coincidentally, this report never got to the defense lawyers for Rodney's trial. So a lot of uh, <laughs> probably police corruption going on. I mean... Here's the thing. I'll take a little pause from the story to say this. I am somebody who very much believes that you are going to find bad people everywhere and within every profession. I think that there are some very amazing police officers, especially considering I have family members within law enforcement that are really amazing people, and they were trained correctly and honestly trained like so differently than what officers are getting today. Um, But I do absolutely believe that police officers are able to get away with more things because of the fact that they are police officers. Um, It just, you see it happen time and time again, and this case is a really good example for that, especially considering the type of person that Jimmy Fennell actually is. So let's talk more about him. In October of 2007, Jimmy was called to a domestic disturbance in Georgetown, Texas. Now, the story that unfolds from here on out is directly from the woman who was a part of this call. Her name is Connie Lear. At this time, Connie was 20 years old. She was having a get-together with her boyfriend and a couple of their friends. Um, They were drinking, and Connie and her boyfriend actually started arguing. And this argument carried out to the parking lot of their apartment complex, so one of their neighbors ended up calling in the disturbance. Three different cops showed up on the scene, Fennell being one of them. 
Now, Connie and her boyfriend were immediately separated. Uh, Fennell talked with her first, and then the officers swapped. So Fennell started talking to Connie's boyfriend, kind of questioning, you know, how they were intoxicated since they were underage kind of thing. And the boyfriend said that they had gotten drunk at Connie's job because their friends that were in the apartment were of age and they didn't want to get them in trouble. So then Jimmy is like, okay, well, where does she work? And this is when the boyfriend told him that she was actually an exotic dancer. And from there, the boyfriend was arrested for public intoxication. Now, Connie ends up being left alone with Jimmy Fennell. He actually lied to her and said that her boyfriend hadn't been arrested and that they had just taken him to a hotel to separate them for the night. And Connie was an absolute mess. Her boyfriend was in the military. She didn't want him to get in trouble. It was this whole thing that had kind of gotten blown out of proportion. And so she was begging them to bring him back. Um, And Jimmy told her no, but he said that he would be more than happy to take her to him instead. So he actually let her sit in the front seat of his vehicle And he ends up driving them to what Connie describes as a park area that was further out of town. He then parks the vehicle and asked her to get out of the car. And the second they had pulled up to this park, she knew that something was wrong. Um, And she was obviously confused and, you know, asking him what's going on, what they're doing there. And he gets her out of the car and proceeds to ask her to dance for him. She told him no, and he immediately got angry, slammed her against the back of his patrol car, took off his belt, and started pointing out each of the weapons in said belt. And then he put the gun against her head and proceeded to rape her. After he was done, he told her if she ever told anyone that he would hunt her down after he got out of prison and kill her. And I think it's very much worth noting that he was totally okay with doing this out in the open and then taking her back to her apartment. So he takes her back to her apartment and then gave her his business card and told her, and I quote, you're going to be a good girl and keep your mouth shut call me tomorrow and after I get done with my kids soccer game with my wife I'll come back and pick you up this man like if I could um there's only one other man that makes me this angry and we talked about him on the Utah rapists episode but this man just makes my skin crawl Jimmy fucking Fennell and you can actually hear um Connie give her her account of this on the ABC 2020 documentary about Stacey Stites and it is just heart-wrenching it is heart-wrenching because what happens next to her is so traumatic and I just can't even I remember the first time I heard about this and I remember listening to this and just being appalled and my heart just really goes out to this woman. I don't know where she is. I hope that she is somewhere safe, but this woman is a warrior. So the second that Connie gets safely into her apartment, 
She and her friends called 911 and immediately asked for an ambulance and a rape kit. As she's on the phone with dispatch, she goes outside to wait for the ambulance. And when she does, she sees Jimmy Fennell and a fellow officer that was on the original call from earlier that night pull into the parking lot. Now, she's still on the phone with dispatch, so she starts screaming for help, and she books it. She takes the fuck off, and as she's running, she's on the phone with dispatch, and she's like, why would you send back the same cop who I said just raped me? And the dispatch was very confused. You can actually hear this on the Sword and Skill episode of this. I would have to link it in the description, Uh, but... The dispatch was very confused because they didn't dispatch any officers. They only dispatched an ambulance. So at this point, the officers are chasing after this poor girl, and she ends up getting cornered by one of them. And they took the phone out of her hand and hung up on dispatch. And actually, like, if you listen to the actual recording, it's it's so fucking sad because she's screaming at dispatch like help me help me please help me like he's here he's here he gave me his business card like you don't understand I have his business card scrunched up in my hand and then she goes fucking Jimmy Fennell fuck Jimmy Fennell and then right after that happens click and that's when the other cops got to her and hung up on dispatch so at this point she looks around for Jimmy and she can't see him anywhere She is then arrested for public intoxication and put into a squad car. And it isn't until that moment that Jimmy comes out from behind a tree. They had intentionally hit him so that she would stop fighting them. And what's so disgusting about this is they actually, they had her in the back of that cop car at her complex for a while because they forced her to look in the cop cam and state that what she had been saying about Jimmy Fennell was a lie and that he didn't actually rape her. Um, So they fucked with her for a while until she finally looked at the camera and said that, and then they go to pull out of the complex, and as they're pulling out of the complex, the ambulance that she had called pulled in, and she actually watched Jimmy Fennell go talk to them and send them away. So she was booked for public intoxication, but luckily she got bailed out of jail and was able to immediately get that rape kit done and charges against her were dropped, which thank God, because I would be, ah, I would be losing my absolute shit if she got charged for that. And especially like, this is what I mean about like the power that certain police can have. Like you don't hear about things like this very often, But it happens a lot more than people think, especially in cases of sexual assaults and officers that have been charged with sexual assault and stay on the force. I actually heard about a case like that this morning on Crime Junkie's newest episode. Um, So it's just, it's a lot more common than people think. And it just truly breaks my heart because these are the same people that are supposed to serve and protect. And that is not what this man did. And according to Connie, she says that it did not seem like this was his first time doing this. Um, 
they were in a secluded park, yes, but they were still in plain sight for anyone that could have driven or walked by. She said there was no trees, there was no cover, nothing. And she really thinks it was specifically when she told him no that he got completely triggered and extremely aggressive. When she was asked how long she believed this incident went on, you know, of course, for her, it felt like a lifetime. But as far as his logging hours for work go, he was off the radar unaccounted for for two hours. It is absolutely disgusting. Um, unfortunately, the rape kit she had done found no DNA evidence. The only evidence was the physical trauma to her vagina. Um, and it just <laughs> blows my mind because this man raped a woman in plain sight while on duty as a police officer. And it was as if he didn't have a single care in the world. And that also makes me certain that this was not the first time he had done this. And Connie knew that this was not the first time he had done this. And she was right. In 2008, Jimmy Fennell pled guilty to reduce charges of kidnapping and sexual misconduct in connection with this rape. And during this time, multiple other women came forward about their experiences with Fennell. Many of them even filed reports with Georgetown Police Department. But looking back, those reports were apparently never filed, which is sus as fuck. Um, and the worst part about it is many of these women had their experiences before this particular incident with Connie happened. And if their reports would have been taken seriously, then maybe this woman would have never gone through this horrific incident. And maybe if Jimmy Fennell had been arrested for the murder of his fiance, as he should have been, none of these women's lives would have been changed in such a terrible, evil way. It is now 2021. And Jimmy Fennell is out of jail from his 10-year sentence, and this woman is probably living in constant fear, hoping that he doesn't keep the word that he made to her 13 years ago. As for Rodney Reed, he has been sitting on death row for 23 years. He was scheduled to die, actually, on November 20th of 2019, but nine days before he was supposed to be executed, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals issued an indefinite stay of execution. Rodney is now a client of the Innocence Project that was founded in 1992 by Peter Newfield and Barry Sheck at Cardozo School of Law. Uh, this project exonerates the wrongfully convicted through DNA testing and reforms the criminal justice system to prevent future injustice. This case was actually such a huge deal that even Kim Kardashian has picked Rodney up as a client and is supporting him throughout all of this. She was even with him when he got the news that his execution had been stopped. The court ordered a new hearing in response to the new evidence of his innocence, and right now Rodney and his family and everyone supporting him are just hoping for a new trial. Let's do a quick recap of all the key facts that you need to know about this case. Number one, the murder weapon has never been tested for DNA evidence in spite of the several requests made, which have been repeatedly denied by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. 
two. The state's forensic experts have admitted to errors in their testimonies, which led to Rodney's conviction and death sentence. Number three, Rodney Reed and Stacey Stites were having a consensual sexual relationship. Four, renowned forensic pathologists have concluded that Rodney's guilt is medically and scientifically impossible. Number five, four months after the murder, Jimmy Fennell, Stacy's fiance, was the prime suspect in the case. Number six, Jimmy's best friend at the time of the crime, Bastrop Sheriff's Officer Curtis Davis, has now revealed that Jimmy gave an inconsistent account of where he was on the night of the murder. Number seven, two witnesses have recently come forward and submitted signed affidavits that add to the mounting evidence against Jimmy Fennell including a testimony from an insurance agent who stated that Jimmy threatened to kill Stacy while applying for life insurance. The second witness is a deputy in the Lee County Sheriff's Office at the time of the murder to whom Jimmy made an alarming and incriminating statement regarding Stacy's body at her funeral. Number eight, Jimmy served a 10-year prison term for a sex crime and kidnapping he committed while on duty. Number nine, This case has racially charged motives, and 10. Number 10, a confession by Jimmy Fennell has come to light. On October 29th of 2019, Arthur Snow, a former member of the Aryan Brotherhood and Jimmy's prison mate, disclosed that Jimmy had confessed to murdering Stacy, stating, I had to kill my loving fiancé. And that beep word starts with an N. So I will let you guys fill in that blank. Completely disgusting. Now, Rodney Reed's attorney, Bryce Benjett, has stated, Jimmy Fennell has now twice confessed to committing this crime of sexual violence. Mr. Fennell's conviction for this crime is consistent with his long history of violence and the ample evidence that made him a suspect in the murder of Stacey Stites over a decade ago. Mr. Fennell's recent confessions are certainly relevant in demonstrating Mr. Reed's innocence. And I would have to agree. Um, Obviously, I'm only one person doing so much research. This is my first time doing a true crime episode like this. Um, and I just really wasn't expecting to be, it was really draining, especially between this and the Johnny Gosh case, trying to like piece together stuff for both of these cases at the same time. It really took a toll on my mental health and my energy levels a little bit. Um, so keep in mind, um, that I encourage you guys to kind of do your own research into this case, especially if it intrigued you, especially if it kind of lit a fire within you to be like, what the fuck? Because the second, like the first time I heard this case, I was immediately just angry and wanted to get involved somehow. And if you want to get involved, if you believe in Rodney Reed's innocence and want to help him, there will be a link in the description for the Innocence Project. That way you guys can go sign a petition. Um, You can donate through there. You can even write letters uh, to Rodney, words of encouragement. I just, I think with all of the factors involved, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, how can you not just kind of clearly see 
what went on, especially considering where this took place, the time. I mean, I didn't go too crazy in depth, but if you watch the documentaries on this, um, very, very many people were saying that in this time you did not, as a black man or a woman, date a white man or woman. You did not date interracially. Um, it was still very much the deep south, and there are still places that are like this, unfortunately. Um, and even there was an interview with one of Stacy's uh, coworkers that she had confided in that she was dating a black man, and her coworker was like, "You need to be careful." And Stacy was kind of like, "Yeah, I know. Like, I know I need to be careful." And Multiple witnesses throughout town that had seen Stacy and Jimmy Fennell arguing and overhearing him threatening to kill her and just all of it. The fact that the, the time doesn't match up for time of death and the time that she would have actually died, she was home with Fennell, according to his own words, on top of the fact that... One of the police officers that must have been with him because his DNA was on a beer can by Stacy's body came up dead a few months after taking on her case. And it just really makes me wonder if he was going to tell the truth and was going to tell on Jimmy. It makes me kind of think that he murdered her called his homies, his his cop buddies for some help to get her moved and dump her body. And when Ed Samello didn't want to cover his dirty secret anymore, they killed him. Um, And on top of just the disgusting things Jimmy Fennell has done to women in general, uh, the amount of reports that came out about him, it's really, really sad that he is out and about walking around right now. Um, and that really bothers me. I mean, to some people, I think 10 years would be more than enough for what he did to Connie, but I don't think it's enough. I think somebody who can do something like that, that was a a police officer, they should be held to a higher standard. I do think that he should have gotten more time for that because you are completely taking advantage of the power that being a cop gives you, and that in turn... Being that type of police officer makes it even harder for the good ones to do their job correctly and to have support. Like, I couldn't imagine what it would be like during this time to be a cop that is genuinely a good cop and, like, genuinely, like, wants to help and protect and serve. Like, I'm sure that would be so hard to go through during all this time. And it's people like this that make it hard. It's, it's people like Derek Chauvin that make it hard on the few really good ones. And it just is really sad. It really is. So with that being said, that is the story of Stacey Stites, Rodney Reed, and Jimmy Fennell. And it is a crazy one. So again, If you guys want to learn more about it, I highly, highly suggest go do some more research, go find some documentaries, because I know that I didn't cover absolutely everything as in-depth as possible. Um, 
let me know though if you guys still feel like I did okay mapping out um the story and everything it's I just can't stress enough how much I was not like prepared for the type of because I listen to true crime so much all the time I was like this will be so easy to just sit and talk about a story but like no like to get everything in line and in order and how especially when there's multiple moving parts to a case and like mapping it all out to where it's easy to understand is a lot harder than I suspected it to be so um with that in mind you guys thank you so much if there's any specific crime cases that you think I should be talking about or something that I need to be looking into for the show please 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 email them to me at sadgirlhourspod at gmail.com Make sure that you are following us on Sad Girl Hours Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And again, as always, if you want to be on the show, please feel free to reach out to me. I love having guests. I really, really enjoy kind of... I've, I've noticed now that I've been doing this a little bit longer, I really love having guests because it's this candid thing and you don't really know what could all come out of it, even if you have like a planned topic. Um but I also really like just kind of sitting down and kind of having my me time, but like, I feel like I'm addressing people. So like having one-on-ones with you guys, um, is, is really fun too. So I just appreciate you guys giving me this platform. I hope that you guys are having a beautiful day, night, whenever you are listening to this. I think this is definitely one of those episodes where we need to be doing some deep breathing after. I think you guys can agree. So in through the nose and out with the mouth, shall we? Repeat after me, please. I am safe. We're going to switch it up because of this episode. I am loved and I am protected. One more time with enthusiasm. I am safe. I am loved. I am protected. Believe it. Say it. Believe it. Know it. It is the truth. Again, you guys, thank you so much. Stay safe. Stay beautiful, and as always, remember that there is always another day.